1: It's time for running backs and quarterbacks on today's edition of of Overtime. And we are once again joined by the great Matt Hicks. We are going to talk through, of course, as I mentioned, running backs and quarterbacks. And there is lots to discuss, so looking forward to it. Sean, yourself and Ben had a fantastic day two live stream up on the of YouTube channel. Of course, on the second day of the NFL draft, as the name would suggest. But it's been a busy time for you. It's been a busy time for for Matt. It's awesome to have him back on again here today.
2: Yeah, we're, we're excited to find out kind of where we should be higher, where we should be lower. I really enjoyed the wide receiver and tight end show, uh, just adding some nuance that I felt was really helpful. I know their listeners will really enjoy it. So, we're excited to get back to running backs and quarterbacks today. We think that those players are going to go toward the top of your super flex drafts. So, obviously, very, very relevant. And, Matt, I mean, we got to start with the two big names. So, I mean, B. John Robinson and Jamaic Gibbs went early, which was fun. Because I mean, I think all of us are of two minds on this thing. Where I mean, very at the birth of Rotoviz back in 2013, the fantasy douche and I did, I mean, we did a lot on how running backs were overvalued in reality and running backs were overvalued in fantasy. And people have come to, well, I guess the conclusion would be they've come to share those beliefs in both categories, but that doesn't mean we don't like running backs or we don't think there are superstars at the running back position because there are. And when you get players who are maybe so great that NFL teams would take them at number eight and number 12. I mean, you heard rumors that the lions would have taken Gibbs at number six. I mean, just, it gets you really excited. It's just, it's so fun. None of the stuff about like how you should actually value the players is like not liking the player. So, I mean, I think you can still be skeptical about if it really makes sense building your team for the long term, if you're the Falcons or the Alliance, but I mean, the enthusiasm levels are now off the charts, just so fun. Do you think these guys are that good that they should have been considered at this level? And I mean, both of them, I mean, for, for Robinson in 2023 to go in the top 10, I and mean, that's a massive statement, but I think people are even more surprised about Gibbs.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Tig Gibbs is definitely the more surprising guy. You know, for me, whenever, you know, usually, right, if you have the 101 or the 103, you're usually in a rebuild, right? Or the roster's not in a good spot. And for me, whenever I'm doing redoing a roster, right? Uh, kind of what you alluded to, I'm going to build out from the wide receiver position in a super flex. I'm going to build out from the quarterbacks and I'm only going to add those running backs when they're the cherry on top for a contender. Except for this year, right? Like this bucks the trend. A Bijan bucks the trend. He has to be the one one. You know, I mentioned in a video earlier this week, um, you know there is no roster where Bijan is not your one oh one. And I did have somebody DM me and say, like, what about this roster? I don't care, man. There's no roster where he's not the one one. He plugs right into my projections with 300 touches as a rookie. Um, you know, he's the dynasty running back one for me. And a little bit of that is there's so much uncertainty with the rest of the running backs for dynasty, right? Like, who else do you love? Do you love Jonathan Taylor? Do you love uh, Christian McCaffrey, CMC, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley? All those guys, you know, have good projections, but also have question marks. And with Bijan Robinson, we have both somebody who produces on the ground. And I can't emphasize this enough through the air as well. He's an excellent pass catcher. And he lands in Atlanta, where there is plenty of volume through the air. I know we have pits in London, but Bijan still has the ability to see 80 plus targets as a rookie, right? So a ton to love. I think the bigger question mark is Jameer Gibbs, and I l- I like Jameer Gibbs coming in. You know, I kept saying pre-draft that if Bijan wasn't the, in this running back class, we would be you know we would be gushing about Jameer Gibbs. But because Bijan was in the class, we didn't pay him half as much you know attention. But when he plugs into the projections, and here's the key thing for me, you know, Jameer Gibbs coming in sub 200, not the biggest back, you don't have to project him for more than 225 touches to have a really you know, productive back because he's efficient. And again, he's going to be a key piece of that passing game in Detroit too. Now, I think he could see double-digit total uh, touchdowns in his rookie season as well, which of course is going to skyrocket his value. So both of these guys are are locked and loaded, you know, running back one tier for me. I think Gibbs came in at running back seven in my rookie rankings, uh, or I should say dynasty rankings, sorry. Uh, and in the rookie rankings, I'm willing to put Jameer Gibbs in the same tier with the three quarterbacks now. So Bijan 101, and then I'm willing to look at A.R., uh, Young, Stroud, and Gibbs in that same tier, which is not a place I would normally find myself.
2: Matt, last night when I was working on my site rankings as well as we were working on the road of his rookie guide. I I mean, I just felt that enthusiasm to move Robinson. He was the only, and I don't necessarily think that that Robinson is better than, I mean, obviously Christian McCaffrey, but there's a massive age difference. I don't think that he's necessarily better than Jonathan Taylor or Brees Hall, but you have injury concerns for them and, and perhaps even offensive concerns for them. So Bichon was the only running back that I had in the very top tier, which I have as were three first round picks. And I mean, you would argue that there's actually a little mini tier on top too, where Mahomes and Allen are probably worth even more than that, but the top tier. And I moved him slightly up within that group above Trevor Lawrence, above Justin Fields. So not talking about Robinson versus unproven quarterback prospects coming in all of whom have some exciting things about him, but also some red flags, but moving him ahead of actual stars already at the NFL level, is that in the range where you'd be? Is that justified at all?
3: Yeah. So when I updated my dynasty rankings, uh, Bijan came in, uh, six overall, right? So that's really high. That's really high to invest in a running back. Um, not high enough for me to put him above Allen hurts, uh, Herbert or Mahomes, but otherwise, you know, I think he's in play. He is above that next tier of of quarterbacks, like you mentioned of the, you know, kind of the rising, hopefully stars and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, who are probably going in the late, you know, first round of a startup draft, or if you're lucky swinging into the second, you know, but I think Bijan is definitely in play kind of in that 106 to 109 range. I think if you're you know, sitting there at the one, two turn, hoping to get Bijan Robinson in the dynasty startup, it's probably not going to happen.
1: Interesting that you mentioned the double digit touchdowns. Uh, it's a good job that Jamal Williams is no longer in Detroit this season to uh, take 20 touchdowns away at the running back position, but the lions really did shake up the the running back in a ADP and, and thoughts in the running back position this weekend, obviously with the move as well with the Andre Swift to the Eagles. But there's obviously questions about all of that, but we'll leave that for another day. Did the NFL draft answer any lingering questions about Kendry Miller, Spears, um, Akin, or Tank Bigsby as we move forward here? And what what order have you those guys in your rankings? Uh,
3: you know, I, I think they probably we probably left with more question marks about some of these guys. Um, Achain surprised me when I plugged him in. You know, I I like his projection in Miami. Apparently, you know, hearing some kind of post-draft interviews, uh, McDaniels has been obsessed with Um, Achain. We've kind of seen that he's a quirky dude, and and so, you know, maybe that obsession will lead to some good volume. But I only plugged him in for 30% of the touches on the ground and and 10% through the air because he's an electric pass catcher as well. You want to get this guy into space. And Mike McDaniels can put guys in space. Um, But I only plugged him in for those touches, and he still came out as running back 27 in my projections. Now that's a messy that's a messy tier for the projections, right? So I'm not saying he's going to come in and be a star right away. Uh, running back two three is is a weak spot in in the dynasty overall right now. So I think you can lean into Ashen in the early second round, lean into his upside while still recognizing the fact that he is a sub 190 running back, not somebody I would normally get behind. But you know I think that you have to be willing to lean into outliers when you have enough kind of indications that that it could pay off for you. So. I'm definitely about him. I think it answers the question about Tajay Spears for me, which is that it was always a little bit too much hype. Uh, with that with that Jay Ajayi-like uh, knee injury, I am totally out on him. You know, it's probably a short NFL career, and he's going to spend his first two years being a rotational back for Derrick Henry. So I think his value falls off. Uh, it seems for a lot of folks that the Kendra Miller question has been answered. I don't think it's that clean. You know, I think you're banking on the idea the Saints are totally done with Alvin Kamara or that he's going to miss a huge chunk of the season. And like you mentioned, Jamal Williams led led the, the Lions in touchdowns last year. Like, you can't just totally write this guy off. So I think there's still question marks there. And and Tank Bigsby, who who was uh, my running back for pre-draft coming in, now he's got to, you know, be a rotational guy with, with Travis Etienne. And, and I do think that he will get his. Um, but that, you know, mucks up that room as well. So there's really no no clear clear answer with any of them.
2: The the Spears thing I I really have a hard time understanding because I mean it seemed to me that he actually went about as early as he possibly could have in the NFL draft. And yet as you mentioned then you know there's just the the flood of reporting about the knee. Or lack yeah. of
1: knee.
3: Or lack of knee. It was really confusing for me. You know so maybe that says Tennessee really likes him. Or, yeah, because there were other good running backs that I think would have fit what they wanted to at the time. Um, So, yeah, it it is odd, and I'm not a medical expert, so I'm I'm just kind of following what they tell me. But it's enough where, you know, in that range, I just think there's other guys that are going to give you more potential return on investment there.
2: We like to kind of ask this of everybody who comes on because it doesn't seem to me that either (laughs) – The actual results or the testing gives us a clean answer to whether or not Tank Bigsby is a good athlete. Am I completely looking at his collegiate arc incorrectly? Because it looks to me like he was fantastic as a freshman after being a mega recruit. And then the second season, more or less bad. And the third season, coming back and being better again. But then, I mean, he was atrocious at the Combine. It Even if you come back a couple of weeks later and prove to people, okay, well, that was a little bit of a bad day. I mean, it was a bad, bad day. Somebody who's going to come out and like impress against NFL athletes because I mean, one of the reasons we always talk about athleticism and always emphasize this guy's you know 90th percentile, 90th percentile, 90th percentile is because these NFL defensive players are absolute freaks. And if you are a, an average guy, You're (laughs) going to go, I mean, even someone like an Isaiah Pacheco, who is a fantastic athlete because, I mean, he was a bad college football player. He was bad last year for the Chiefs. I mean, people who have watched all the games know that he'll hit the first defender and go down if there's not like a 15-foot wide gaping hole. I mean, if you're not a superstar, the NFL defenses will swarm over you. I I mean, is is Tank Bigsby a good athlete? You know, you talk about his
3: production and you're great. You're right. He had great year one production at Auburn. Uh, You know, the context there is that after his freshman season, they had a switch in coaching staff um, and Brian Hartson didn't last, you know, two full seasons at Auburn because he just, uh, I mean, burned, burned that offense to the ground. They were, they were the worst in the sec. You know, this is a conference that includes Vanderbilt, Um, but they were just a super inefficient offense. And so Uh, And they had no quarterback play. So, you know, Tank Bigsby was facing eight-man boxes really consistently at college at the college level. Uh, He he did actually finish as the top five rusher in the SEC every season that he played at Auburn. And so, you know, there was some really good production relative to the challenges that he had there. Um, Not the best athlete. You know, he doesn't show up on tape as the best athlete for me. You know, he was somebody who I think works really well in tight space. And so that shows good vision. That shows good footwork. Um, not somebody, you know, he he can work in open field. There's examples of him looking good in the open field, but more somebody that you know I, I want to give the ball to, you know, in between, uh, kind of in that A B gap range, and then the hope is that you get him into the second level of the field because he does have a pretty nice downfield speed, that long speed, you know, that won't always show up in a 40 yard dash or, or some of those other testing. So it, I, I've always liked Tank Bigsby, but his ranking for me as top five has has almost come you know, top five pre-draft almost came as default, right? As, as kind of some of the rest of the class fell off, um, which is why I think there's this feeling with Tank where it's like, yeah, he's there, you know, he's he's solid, but, but not that level of excitement that you want for somebody that you'll probably have to draft in the mid to late second round. Well,
2: what about Miller? You had mentioned that you're not sold on that landing spot. One of the things that I've looked at in the past, and I mean, this isn't gonna obviously come as a surprise to anybody, but when players are drafted when running backs are drafted with you know any sort of meaningful draft slot on top of the guys who are currently there. their dynasty values crater, the veterans. and that is true actually whether or not the rookie hits. So I mean even kind of separate from if Miller is good, it's a terrible sign for Kamara and also for Jamal Williams who I think that the NFL, Actually, was pretty skeptical of in Detroit last year in terms of just assessing how the different backs went in free agency. Now we know that the free agency is going to be a little bit inefficient too, and like which day and which team reached out to you. I mean, you can fall into some extra money or you can lose some money depending on ordering and that kind of thing. But it 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 does seem like those guys could disappear. But what I'm kind of hearing from you is that even then, I mean, Miller is more just a guy. So I kind of have that same question, and this one. You know, we don't have the testing information necessarily, but you've obviously spent a lot of time watching. Is Kendry Miller an NFL athlete?
3: Yeah. So I I should, you know, preface my my take on Kendry Miller with saying I have been, you know, really low on him compared to consensus through the pre-draft process. You know, he was somebody that when I was watching college games live on Saturdays last year, it was exciting. You know, he, he was this really dynamic player, really explosive, you know, had some big highlight reel runs. It was really fun, you know, as he was kind of shredding up, uh, uh, you know, as we know, porous big 12 defenses, right. When I went back and did my film review on him, I was really excited going into it. And as I watched more and more film, I just became more and more concerned with his game. You know, for somebody who profiles as a, as a bigger back, a power back, his strength really didn't hold up consistently in the big 12. Um, which for folks who don't follow college football, like that is the the least physical, you know, power five conference. He wasn't super efficient at the goal line. Um, you know, he he got stuffed a lot at the goal line, short, short area, you know, like like third and two. He wasn't consistent in that. He wasn't, you know, running guys over. Um, and so it was a weird profile fit. Um, for me, the vision was really inconsistent as well. And when you have an inconsistent vision playing again in the big 12, for me, that's a major red flag. So I've been lower on him all the way through. And I do think consensus with new Orleans is is, that's a good enough landing spot to justify like an early to mid second round pick. Um, so I I think the general consensus is, is higher than my take on Kendra Miller. And I think to your point, right? Like Kamara, his value was pretty much dead before the draft. Like, you know, you would you would have had to have, have sold really low on him. Uh, and Miller definitely didn't help that. So I think at least in terms of value, you know, folks are going to look at New Orleans and they're going to be looking at Kendra Miller and maybe hoping on Kendra Miller that he's the guy who was able to kind of win out through the preseason there.
1: There's some names from the NFL draft that not because of the draft capital, but where the landing spot is that may stand out. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on them as potential sleepers here for the the OT listeners. Chase Brown, Zach Evans, and Dwayne McBride. Do any of them stand out to you based on on the landing spot? And is the draft capital element of it a a concern? Yeah, the
3: big one there for me is Chase Brown. I like Chase Brown's tape coming in. Um, Super productive in his last two seasons at Illinois. You know, 1,000-plus yard rusher in both of those seasons. Uh, Before he became a back-to-back 1,000-yard rusher, they had a coaching change. So Brett Bielema came in you know kind of looked around and said why are we not using this guy and then he just used him on the ground and through the air. You know, he's a, he's a real three down back um and he profiled that way through the pre-draft process. So, now he lands in Cincinnati, right? And what have we been hearing for the last, I don't know, 4 6 months, you know, they could cut Mixon, they could cut Mixon. Uh whether they do or not, I think he slots in right as the running back too. Um, you know, with the potential that he could luck his way into some uh some volume as a rookie, right? So, Uh, I I think he's a nice fit. Even if Mixon is there, I think Chase Brown can come in and be a pass catcher. I think he gives them more pass catching opportunity than Travion Williams um, with more physicality, and uh, he's a great pass blocker as well, which will help him get on the field early as a rookie. So despite the draft capital, Chase Brown is absolutely going to be a target for me. I'm going to get some good exposure to him. You know, Zach Evans is tough. Um, You know, uh, obviously through the the lens of the Debbie community, we were much higher on this guy for a long time. Um, uh, you know, former five-star guy ends up falling to the Rams in round five. Um, you know, I still think he has the the raw talent and raw traits where he could, you know, earn a good amount of volume in this offense. You know, they, they there was that weird hot and cold thing with Cam Akers last year. And you know, I like Kyron Williams, but is he, you know, gonna be enough to keep Zach Evans off the field? So I think there's a little bit there for Evans as well. Um, Not too much with Dwayne McBride for me. And he is somebody whose tape I liked, but, you know, even if they cut cook, you still have Madison there. You still have Ty Chandler there who I know that they like. So uh, I wouldn't get, you know, I wouldn't probably invest that, that rookie pick in Dwayne McBride. I think you have better dart throws there in the fourth round.
2: We love Ty Chandler. So are you saying that we should start drafting him again, final round, every draft?
3: Yeah, I love Ty Chandler coming out, and I definitely have exposure to him. And, you know, I, I think he is, you know, he's gonna be right there with Madison for the next guy up if and when they they do cut Cook.
2: This is kind of a bad question because there's no real answer to it. But <laughs> with I mean, it's kind of a made-up answer, which I mean a lot of the content is made up, so it's a fun question, hopefully. When I'm looking at this with I mean, a little bit maybe less with Chase Brown, but with Zach Evans and dwayne mcbride i mean i feel like i'm gonna have a hard time letting go on these two players any chance that these teams are like i mean we know that there is going to be someone interesting late and we're going to hit that guy i don't know i'm having a really hard time not being super excited about zach evans in in la and that the only way it could have been better for him is if he had gone as like the third overall running back which obviously wasn't going to happen and so this is just. I mean, now you also get great price. So you have a sort of this dream scenario, great landing spot, he's cheaper. I mean, I'm, ha- I'm going to be like at 100%, I think.
1: So are you asking, are the GMs of these teams basically drafting as if they're drafting zero RB rosters and these guys are going in the 20th round? Is that kind of well, what you think? thinking? the
2: Rams don't have like a lot of choices <laughs> because they have no money, they have no picks. So if you want a running back, this is how you got to get him, right? You know, to your point
3: here, you know, my philosophy, because, you know, As we saw, even in day two, it's a challenge. But as we get into day three with running backs, nobody's going to be in a perfect landing spot, right? Nobody's going to be projected into immediate volume. So what I'm looking for in the rookie picks that I make is, okay, if the running back one on that roster misses time, injury, suspension, otherwise, we don't wish it on anybody, but it's fantasy football. We know it happens, especially at the running back position. If that running back one goes down, does the guy i'm about to draft have the the potential and the talent to take over that job and maintain like a 200 plus you know touch average over the court if it was you know extrapolated over a season if those if that works out then it's worth making the investment in right and for zach evans you know like i said Kyron williams is there of course but if, if cam Akers is not on the field for whatever reason you have to think that zach evans has the talent and the potential to over the course of the season, you know, 15, 18 touches a game, you know, 12 touches, 12 to 18 touches a game, I think are absolutely within a realm of possibility. And then he's performing as what, a running back three?
2: Yeah, or borderline running back one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm all in, man. We could go to the moon with the Zach Evans hype. I'm, I'm cool with it.
2: Eric Gray, Evan Hall, Chris Rodriguez, and then, I mean, Lou Nichols. I mean, is he the... Is he a sleeper, or someone people can forget about? The three guys I mentioned. I mean, Hull is the one who I think coming in was a little bit interesting. But it, anything that we should be looking at here? I mean, these are late picks. They're really rough spots, I think. Right? I mean, if you had to rank the landing spots for Evan Hall, would Indianapolis, after they selected Anthony Richardson, have been number thirty-two? <laughs> yeah, the Anthony Richardson makes it a little bit more difficult for Hull, but I think you know,
3: the upside that hole brings to the, to that running back room is, you know, the other two guys being Dion Jackson and Zach Moss hole is, hole is a competent pass catcher. Right. And you could even go as far to say he's a good pass catcher or, you know, I don't really think that Indianapolis wants to give uh Dion Jackson or Zach Moss too many targets through the passing game. Right. So that's, that's your reason. That's your excuse that I will give you to go ahead and draft Evan hole late um, for me, you know, I'm going to go back to, to somebody who's been my guy for a while. I do like Eric Gray. I do like his film. Uh, and I do like the landing spot in New York, right? I, I think there's there's decent appeal there. And for the reason that I laid out um, in, our, in our the last part of our conversation there, which is Saquon Barkley is on the franchise tag this year. He hasn't signed the franchise tag. He will. He's going to play this year. But, you know, he also has a history of injury. Can you name me another running back on the Giants roster, right? I know they have them, but Eric Gray, I think, has the talent to step in and be the running back too. And then, you know, if Barkley has to miss a week or two or, you know, long term, if he doesn't get an extension reach with New York, all of a sudden he could see himself in an opportunity there to get some serious runs. So for me, that's where talent meets opportunity, you know, and potential in that way. Um, So Eric Gray for that range, you know, is kind of my guy. Um, Evan Hole, I think is more of probably if you're playing in five or six round leagues, that's probably when I'm going to draft him.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
4: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: Let's move on to quarterbacks and look through uh, some of the, the thoughts here we kind of those players we talked about on the wide receiver show we've touched on some of them here we've kind of tried to stick to position by position and not really how much the other players affect them but obviously the quarterbacks here are going to affect all these players in, in major major ways we started off really hot four quarterbacks in the or three quarterbacks in the first four picks really heated up uh, were you surprised by the order the guys come off the board and and how many come off the board i guess at the, the points that they did
3: yeah, not super surprising for me. I think we knew Bryce Young to Carolina was, was feeling pretty certain as we went into the last day. You know, there was a big part of me that thought the, the Texans might pass on quarterback and try to get into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes for next year, uh, but they did. They, they, they you know, stuck and picked there with C.J. Stroud. I thought all along Anthony Richardson was the guy for Indianapolis. You know, folks kept saying, oh, but, they, you know, they're going to go Will Levis because they love traits and they love size and they love big quarterbacks, and I'm like – you're describing Anthony Richardson, who is better at all of those things in four years younger than Will Levis, right? So that made a ton of sense. I was very happy with the landing spot with Anthony Richardson because of the opportunity uh, to, I think, be in a good developmental situation there with Shane Steichen and with the Colts off uh, offensive coaching staff. You know, I, I was low on Will Levis, and I thought, you know, being low on Will Levis was projecting him in my 11 to 20 range. And so, you know, obviously he fell to day two there. Um, a lot of people thought the Titans would take him at 11. They took him at, what, 34 or 33. Um, and then Hendon Hooker did fall further than I thought. You know, I, I was I was willing to be in on Hendon Hooker in that 20 to 50 range. So I thought Hooker might go above Levis. So that was the only thing that, you know, may have been a surprise. But otherwise, in terms of order, you know, fairly chalk for me.
2: And how about those three landing spots up top? Do you like the quarterback's with those teams, the thing that I keep coming back to is (laughs) the Texans and the Panthers. I mean, the pass catchers, I mean, it's not just they're bad. They just don't have, they don't have anything. And if you go back and you look at, I mean, even just the very recent past last six or seven years, the quarterbacks who hit almost exclusively were surrounded by very good players. The guys who missed almost exclusively surrounded by very poor talent. And it's not that we would go back and think, okay, well, if some of these guys who hit, I mean, they're so good. I mean, you're not going to be like, oh, well, if they just had had like a slightly less good wide receiver that they wouldn't have made it, but it is meaningful, right? I mean, are these guys going to come out and make an impact in fantasy?
3: Yeah. You know, I think for year one impact, the guy that I think has the best shot of just, you know, settling in as a good consistent quarterback too is Bryce young, you know, you mentioned the weapons, um, and I know we talked about this a little bit on the Monday show. But I like the fact that that Carolina's brought in a lot of different types of weapons in Hurst and Thielen and Chark and now Mingo, and you know, Terrace Marshall is still there, which I'm obligated to throw in. Um, so when you're looking at those different options, at least they have time to figure out, you know, what what types of weapons he likes, and then in free agency or the draft next year, you go and get the upgraded version of that guy. Carolina also has has what I would, you know, categorize as like a top 10 offensive line, um, which is a really rare thing for a quarterback, you know, the first overall pick to get drafted behind. And, you know, uh, I mentioned Anthony Richardson's development, but I think Bryce Young with Frank Reich, with with McCown, you know, and and a really, you know, well-respected group of coaches there will have the ability to get developed over time. And so for that reason, I like Bryce Young. I think I'm the most nervous about CJ Stroud um, and I like CJ Stroud and I like his talent, but he's a distributor, right? And and like you mentioned, you know, he's distributing. I like John Mechie, but we haven't seen John Mechie yet. Um, and then, you know, 97 uh, year old Robert Woods at this point in time and, and Dalton Schultz, like, you know, what are we doing here with, with, with Houston? And so I think for me, CJ Stroud is the most concerning guy. They all still are in the same tier for me. Um, but you know, more excited about Richardson and Young uh, and Stroud, I think should be the third guy to go in that, in that group.
2: So put words in your mouth. I hear you saying draft a lot of Chuba Hubbard and John Mechie. Is Chuba Hubbard still in the league?
1: Oh, he <laughs> is. oh he Hey, hey. hey, I'm just going to end the show there. This show is so It's gone off the rails. <laughs> Chuba Hubbard is uh, going to be a top 12 running back this year definitely still most certainly still in the league um oh, i thought the question was going to be something about the the texans and what they're trying to do but it sounds like uh between you know pre-nfl draft process and now post nfl draft process for you there there really hasn't been much change and in, in who rises and who falls in, in your rankings and what you expect by adp and things like that just kind of stayed as you, you presumed
3: the only change was uh bryce young was my quarterback one coming into the draft and honestly, I was coming to draft night and I was you know, thinking, just give me an excuse. Please give me an excuse to put Anthony Richardson higher. And so when he went with the Colts, that was a good enough landing spot. I felt comfortable enough with that. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, my approach to fantasy football, you have to be pushing for upside. Right. Um, and, and, you know, Anthony Richardson has quarterback one overall upside. And as much as I like Bryce Young, you know, I think his upside is, you know, quarterback eight to 12 overall. Right. So. Um, and you know, the reports out of Indy immediately are that Anthony Richardson is going to get on the field within the first month. I didn't think that originally, but it sounds like that's at least their plan for him. So we'll see how that shakes out. But he projected very well for me, even when I put him in for just, uh, tw- uh 10 starts in his rookie season. So, you know, for me, that was the only change and it was a very slight flip from Richardson to young.
1: So you're telling me that Menchie isn't going to take off in 2023. <laughs>
3: You know, I, yeah, you know, what are they going to do with all those fake idea? mustaches?
1: All those fake <laughs> mustaches,
3: maybe Richardson will show up with one of those, uh, to, to preseason camp.
2: You had mentioned that 108 to 112 range in rookie drafts on the previous show, and some of the names you're looking at there, how you want managers to play that tactically. Will Levis, as someone who's going to start and does have some traits, does he fall? into that range or even higher, you just mentioned shooting for upside. The name that's mentioned always is Josh Allen. I think people understand obviously he's not going to be Josh Allen, but if you were to get 80% of that, you're still very excited.
3: Yeah, so for me, Levis, you know he's in my tier of what I would call my uh it's it's the early second round. it's about 201 to 206 and it's kind of like get your guy territory, right? Um, because that's when you start to get a lot of question marks. You know, we talked about Kendra Miller earlier, like Kendra is going to go in that range, right? Because there's going to be guys who are like, yeah, I'm willing to lean into that. I'm not going to take Will Levis. I'm just not going to do it. Um, the value that I place on him right now is 25th overall uh, in my rookie rankings. And, you know, I do very much account for for quarterback um, in, in the in the value of quarterback and the scarcity of the position. So, you know, Will Levis is getting boosted for that. For me, the film was just so bad. The mechanics were so inconsistent. Um, his his command of the pocket was very poor. Uh, you know, felt pressure very easily. You know, I've heard folks kind of use the Sam Darnold phrase of you know he's seeing ghosts out on the field, and he's twenty four guys. You know, we're, we're not talking about a guy that should really be in his developmental phase at least with Hendon Hooker, who's 25 coming in, he's a polished prospect. Like he, like he, I, I, If healthy with the knee, I think he could command an NFL offense week one. I think Will Levis needs a full year of learning. Um, and then I don't think there, there's any guarantee that he wins out that job next year. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Um, but for me, there's just too many question marks. And, and even in a draft where there's a lot of a variability in that range. I'm just not willing to be the person who drafts Will Levis. If he hits, that's fine. I'm going to let one of my league mates hit on him.
2: Stefan LeCo has a fantastic article up on RotaViz, kind of breaking down Levis and all of these things that are so problematic. And he'll be excited to hear you say that. Obviously, listeners who want to dive into that some more, uh, make sure you check that out on the site. But right before we let you go, Rock Purdy was a revelation last year. And then as a result, after last year, there were actually some really good prospects. And I say really good. I mean, not like number one overall, but some really good prospects who fell deep into the draft because teams had decided, look, we don't want to waste our picks. Well, a lot of those guys hit. <laughs> and so now teams are like, we're just going to go draft anybody. Or at least that's what it appears to people who haven't spent you know, their entire lives immersed in both college football and the draft process. As I was digging into some of these guys, you know, over with the Sports Info Solutions advanced stats to find out, okay, well, I think that some of these players who were drafted here, especially when you know the teams are facing all different levels of competition, and we know there are all these names who in the past put up these video game numbers and i mean you're going to jump in and look at these players and you're going to see that like maybe they're older maybe they're not athletic maybe their arms are weak but you're going to have some massive producers i'm looking at the stuff and i'm thinking to myself i mean these guys just don't look like they were even very good and of course but that was also arguably the case with brock purdy what do we need to be looking at with these late guys because I mean, if you could hit on someone like that, if you could use your 412 to stash a QB and the guy hits ever, then I mean you've massively changed your team around. Do you have a guy or guys that people should really be looking at?
3: Yeah, I think for me, you know, the big one is Jake Hayner. He was always kind of considered the next guy up, um, you know, after the the five that we had talked about through the whole pre-draft process by NFL front offices, and his draft his draft position reflects that. You know, I, I think for me with Hayner, if if he was, you know, his big knock is that he came in at six out. If Jake Hayner was six three, we would have been talking about him in that same tier with Will Levis and Hendon Hooker. In the way that he commands an offense, uh, his he has great accuracy, great poise in the pocket, and he has solid mobility. You know, not a pure rusher, but he can move the pocket. He can improvise, right? Um, and and you know, from reports, like a good high football IQ, right? Um, so most scouts say that the best quarterback, you know, single game film is Jake Hayner from 2021 at uh, UCLA. And so he's kind of got that gamer, that fiery mentality, a little bit of that, you know, uh, I think not to that level, but a little bit of that, you know, edginess, um, in terms of competitiveness that Baker Mayfield had, if, you know, that's what you're looking for in your quarterback, Uh, And he lands in new Orleans here, which obviously, you know, no direct path to playing time, but if you can hang around an NFL roster for long enough as a quarterback, you're going to get a shot to start somewhere, right? We see that year in and year out. So Hayner for me is a pretty interesting guy. Um, You know, Stetson Bennett, you know, not my favorite guy. You know, I think he's more of a game manager, but he's probably going to be QB two behind an aging, you know, Matt Stafford who has missed time with injury recently. So you know that's opportunity that you could look at, and I think that Stetson Bennett has uh, performed on the biggest stages in college football. Where if you had to throw him in, you know, at week four, you know, not fully prepared, you know, prepared but as, as much as you can be, I think he could step in and, and kind of be poised in that situation. So those are probably the two quarterbacks. You know, a little bit interest in Jaron Hall just because he's kind of like a gunslinger type guy and mobile, a little huck and chuck in football there, and uh, in Kevin O'Connell's offense you would think that he could scheme him up pretty well. And obviously, you know, there's no commitment to Cousins past this year as well. So those would probably be the guys that I would look for that you'd be justified in that, you know, 409 to to 412 range.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, people who tune into the national championship game and watch them torching TCU are probably thinking, I mean, this guy has won a couple now. How bad could he be? Especially, you know, playing in that SEC conference what what about the Pac-12 related to the Big 12 strength of strength of defense overall what are what what should people who are looking and trying to evaluate some of these stats what should they know about that when they're kind of making these tiny little strength of schedule corrections in the back of their mind
3: yeah you know i think when you're looking at the Pac-12 you're you're looking at you know Uh, Between the Pac-12 and the Big 12, you know, the worst secondaries in in the Power 5, so out out of the big schools. So you could see a little bit of inflation there um, in in those spots. Uh, Big 12, or sorry, Big 10 offenses tend to be run first. So if you see more efficient quarterbacks as opposed to guys putting up, you know, 4,000 yards, I think that's always a good sign. Um, and then you could have the, the sec's kind of changed a little bit with that, you know, but there are still some teams like Georgia, right? Where Stetson Bennett was very efficient, but he didn't have big numbers because they're going to look to run the ball first. So I think that's important. Um, I do think you need to spend a little bit time getting into more nuanced context within that, right? Like, you look at Dorian Thompson Robinson, you have to consider the pact well, but then you have to consider Chip Kelly's offense, which is, you know, kind of very like it wants the quarterback to run. It wants you to be kind of spread out um and athletic in that sense. And so there there's there's levels of nuance for sure, but that's that's kind of your general uh conference, you know, preview there, if you will.
1: Before we do close out, Matt, you did mention the rookie big board. We did talk about it in Monday show, but anyone that didn't hear that go back check out that show lots of great information from matt on that but for everyone that's here today another chance to let them know where to find you
3: yeah you know rookie big board all audio uh platforms on youtube as well you know if you're looking for help in the rookie draft i would encourage you to head on over to patreon.com rookie big board i have in-depth rookie rankings anybody relevant is in the rookie rankings and also very irrelevant people as well. They're very deep. Uh, We have a a discord where you can get personalized, you know, insight and our on the clock channel, you know, everybody chipping in, giving you insight. And then I do have a hundred page rookie guide as well. All that's just three bucks. You know, all that's available for just three bucks. So you can head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board.
1: Sean did mention Brock party. That was last year's Mr. Irrelevant. You mentioned some irrelevant names in those rankings. So you never know who will be shining and we'll be trying to find the next version of him next year when we come to the NFL draft. But it's been awesome having you on for both these shows. We really appreciate the time coming on, having the conversation and, and sharing that information with the Rotoviz OT community. As I mentioned on the show earlier this week, lots of content up on rotaviz.com, including from Sean, from Blair, from Curtis, from the rest of the team. Head on over and check that out. Sean, you did mention I believe that those rookie rankings and the dynasty rankings are are up to date. I was getting some messages as the draft was continuing. You know, when when Sean's rankings can be updated? Uh, somebody had a one of their drafts was starting. You know, pretty much seconds after the draft wrapped up on on Saturday. So people were. This is the advantage Sean has. He's not on Twitter, but they they come to me. But um, it, it sounds like all that is is up to up and 100 ready now. Have the triflex rankings updated? And by the time the show releases, both
2: will be updated. Everything should be updated. As that's the advantages to this we Sunday. have
1: with time travel sean that's right in, in the that's future right. they will be there we are now in the in the past but you will hear this in the future but hopefully people have enjoyed listening in we will be back on friday with the third edition of His ot this week and until then have a good one